Okay, my first interview from Educause 2023 here in Chicago is with Betsy Reinitz. She's the director of the CIO and Senior Technology Leader Program for Educause. In this conversation, she discusses the concept of institutional resilience in higher education and its connection to digital transformation and data-informed culture. Have a listen. Betsy, thanks so much for meeting with me today. I know it's probably pretty crazy, right? It is. It's a, but it's a, it's a great kind of crazy today. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for having me here. How's the show feeling for you so far? You know, it's feeling great. Um, yesterday uh, was the was really the workshop day, and it's a it's a really good opportunity to to dive into a subject and we really spend a lot of time um, on one one topic. And but it's also a much smaller group. And so today, when you get to this conference today, when everything that really starts to happen. And there's this energy of everybody being here. Yeah. It just feels so great. Yeah. And uh, as we were mentioning before we start recording, you know, we're uh, hopefully in the post-COVID, post-pandemic age uh, of higher education. Um, obviously, society as a whole had major uh, changes and, and, and pivot points. But it seems that higher education especially had a lot of different changes. I know in, in some of the write-ups I saw, you talked about having the uh, an age of institutional resilience. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that. Is is that kind of a, a, a pre-pandemic, post-pandemic? I mean, how, how do you cast that? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been thinking about that this week, actually. And I think that for for me, one of the interesting things to think about is how it's been sort of an evolution. I mean, so it wasn't like we just sort of woke up one morning and it was the age of resilience. And then I think at Educause, it started um, really way back in like 2015 or 16 when um our teaching and learning community got really interested in something that they called NGDLE, which is Next Generation Digital Learning Environments. And their idea there was that um, you need a holistic way of thinking about individual components that make up the learning environment. I'm not an expert on learning environments, but what that happened, what this was roughly about the time I started working at Educause. And to me, it made me start thinking about what does that same sort of holistic concept mean for the kinds of systems and services that make up the broader um, uh, enterprise IT world within the, within higher ed, and um, there's a focus about um, data integration, analytics, interoperability, and I started thinking about how important that all was for for the for the systems that run the institution um, and that holistic way of thinking about it. And the other thing about NGDLE is that it gave um, the idea of students at the center of all the decisions you're making about the learning environment. And that got me thinking about the importance of connecting technology and technology decisions to institutional mission and goals, and um, meaning that you can sort of make the connection between the ways you're supporting the institution and tie them right back to institutional strategy. And I'm saying all this because that led to our thinking about digital transformation. And our digital transformation work, um, well, the definition is it's a process of, of transforming and optimizing the institution's um, operations, strategic directions, and value proposition through deep and coordinated shifts in culture, workforce, and technology. And so when the pandemic came along, we started to get the sense that institutions who had really engaged in digital transformation um, might have been better equipped to deal with the kind of sudden changes that they needed to make um, to get through 2020, basically, to get everybody online and to do the work that they needed to do there. And it seemed like that they might have been more resilient. And so that sort of started our, our resilience work was to sort of be seeing how the kinds of um, characteristics that made an institution able to deal with digital transformation and start thinking about 
how to really um, improve their their digital work also made them more resilient. So that's where that all that's where that all started from. Um, and I can talk more about our resilience. Well, yeah, but so I mean, the resilience came from you're saying the response there in in 2020 that immediately it really go, did going to the remote yeah. sort of setup. I at that time my daughter was uh, a sophomore uh, at Fordham University, and um, you know, she pretty much came home with her laptop and yeah. like it, it didn't miss a beat for those right. first few months. Luckily, right. she was able to get back on campus in, in the fall, but a lot of schools weren't. And at that time, the conversations I were having, you know, people were talking about the future of higher education yeah. and whether how many schools are going to close as a result of this. Right, it did bring a lot of that. I mean, it was just, you know, and I don't, I think that that was, there's a lot of hyperbole uh, that was involved there. But there have been a, a number of schools that have closed without, because they haven't been able to kind of recover, right? What are the characteristics that uh, embody that resilience that sure. you're talking about? Yeah. Well, a lot of things we, we talk about how um, with resilience is that resilience isn't not, I mean, it's not, resilience is not just about surviving a difficult time, but it's somehow thriving in that time. And it's taking advantage of whatever opportunities the challenge brought. So um, we actually brought together um, an expert panel in the summer of 2022 to, to do some work to define institutional resilience for higher ed. And to start that work of developing a set of characteristics, and then, um, then in, over the past year, we've um, continued to engage with our members to really start thinking about those attributes of resilience. And first, let me tell you what the definition is that the task force came up with um, in 2022, and that is institutional resilience is the ability to anticipate, respond to, and adapt to rapidly changing circumstances in ways that maximize opportunities and minimize impacts of unforeseen events. So I think that um, that important thing there is that maximizing opportunities. And I think a lot of the institutions who, um, who, really, got, who really did well during the pandemic are those who are able to say, oh, look at this. We, it turns out we can change quickly, for one thing. You know, right. And um, we can also take advantage of our, the digital work that we've already done to get better at some of these things and be able to deliver classes in different modalities that we hadn't really been able to do before. And so they were able to, you know, to make some, um, to, to maximize their opportunities. But there were, I'll tell you what the, um, the, 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 there were several attributes that this year's task force has come up with um, for institutional resilience. And these are, um, we're not completely settled on these yet, but this is where we think, you know, the, the main characteristics of institutional resilience are are going to land. Um, it's being trustworthy. These are institutional attributes of resilience. So an institution, a, a resilient institution is trustworthy, prepared, adaptive, independent, decisive, and data fluent. And I can tell you a little bit of details about each one of those. Please, yeah, that would be great. Okay. Um, so with trustworthy... This the the idea of trust came up in a lot of our conversations with members, and this is trust um, not only in people but also in data and in the institution. Um, and the, the the task forces that we talked to talked a lot about the human centered characteristics of collaboration, cooperation, 
um, compassion, empathy, integrity, that all of that needs to be part of a resilient institution because it allows other aspects of resilience to develop, that people have to be able to trust, trust in the process, trust in the institution, trust in the leadership, trust in the data in order to really be resilient. Um, the next one is prepared, and the resilient institution is prepared. Um, and that means that they, they're able to respond quickly to changing circumstances. They've done the work in advance um, to have a view of both the internal and the external environment. So they understand themselves, they understand the external environment, um, and they've made the effort to, to imagine possible futures already with the different kind of opportunities that might come up. Um, they've done the, the work to sort of assess their own strengths and weaknesses. So they've got this sort of grounding and preparation um, so they don't have to figure these things out when, when challenges appear. Um, and that makes it so that they're much more able to adapt quickly to, to changes and to challenges. Uh, the next one is adaptive. And, you know, we know that the, the, the pandemic showed institutions that they can be, they can adapt, they can change quickly. Um, and I think that that was something that was important to learn. And I hope that this is something that institutions will remember because it's really necessary if you're going to be resilient, to be able to um, to evolve and transform, um, you need to be you know you need to be flexible, which is about more about making making transitions in the moment, and adaptive, which is more about evolving to um, to really maximize your opportunities. And then interdependent. Um, this one I think I like this one a lot. So, um, and this comes across in so many of the work that so much of the work that I do with institutions is that silos are not going to cut it. They're right. always going to cause you problems. Right. And collaboration is really necessary across the institution. And one of the um, focus groups I worked with talked about, um, it sort of compared it to a, um, a to biodiversity in an ecosystem. Mm. So like a natural ecosystem, institutional ecosystems are more resilient when people, processes, systems, technologies are interdependent and integrated. Um, even when the data is integrated, you yeah. know, so all of that makes a more resilient institution. Um, and at the at the base, most basic level, that means that collaborating is really strategic. And without it, you're not going to be, right. you're just not going to be very resilient. Right. Um, <clears throat> so to that to that last point, yeah. um, and again, in conversations going through, and in, uh, in terms of the flexibility, and in terms of the culture. Um, when you look at higher ed, sometimes and I'll date myself here by referencing the paper chase. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, the perceptions um, can seem that there's nothing more antiquated than that professor who has taught his class the way he has for 40 years, and this is the way he's going to do it going forward. Pandemic happens, and that's the one thing that's going to throw he or she off of that 40-year way we're going to do it. Um, now that we're getting back to normal, or you know, those classes are getting back to normal. Is that when, you, when you're talking about that flexibility that those things need to remain? I guess the second part of my question is, is that when you talk about these these concepts, are they for intended for the leadership or is this intended for the entire the university higher ed community? Well, I'll just the first part of that question first. Um, and and part of what I have to say is that the, the teaching and learning world is not really my area. And yeah. so I can't really speak too much about how faculty have adapted as, as well as, you know, as, as whether they have adapted well or not. Although what I believe is that there has been um, that there that a lot of faculty have 
learn to do things differently because they had to. Yeah. And that, you know, then that has, um, in some cases transferred over into our new world in some cases not. Yeah. But I, I don't, I can't really speak to that with much authority. Um, but in terms of the leadership thing, you know, I think that, um, that for work, for almost any kind of transformative work, it's really important to have good buy-in from leadership, that that is, you know, that is a necessary component to really transform an institution and to do a lot of the work that requires cross-institutional, that sort of ecosystem thing that I was talking about. Yeah. You have to have good, the kind of leadership that um, supports that or it's not going to work very well. You're going to really be, um, it's an uphill battle. Um, but on the other hand, even if institutions who don't, don't feel like they don't have that, institutions who feel like they don't have the kind of leadership that would make that easier can still make progress from having leading from wherever you are you know being doing whatever you can at the level of where you are to work to make your institution as flexible as possible to adapt well to things um, to work on those data integrations so I don't want to give the impression that without the leadership you can't do it you can be a leader from wherever you are but it's a you know it's a it's a little bit of a different kind of thing and it might be a slower it's right thing. right um, any examples, any real world examples that you can um, point to as examples of this resilience that we're talking about? Anything that, um, anything particular from the, the past couple of years? Um, well, and not even specific institutions, which is kind of, uh, you know, examples of that flexibility. Well, I mean, you know, the obvious example is, um, is putting all the classes online, but you know, the, what people don't often think about is that not only did institutions put, have to take all of their classwork, all of their courses, and figure out how to, to do it online, you know, even lab work, you know, all of that they had to get online. Yeah. But also, all of those people who work in an institution who do all the administrative work, all of those staff, they were sent home as well. And they, you know, most, many institutions had no way that they had thought about before to make sure everyone could work from home. Some institutions had, you know, had some work from home policies, but mostly they didn't. And so, you know, that huge shift to go from everybody on campus doing the work of running an institution to everybody off campus doing the work of running an institution is just a, a major shift. And everybody did that. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Talk a little bit more about the, um, the culture of data and how that is, changed uh, or how it has evolved you said you started with this work back almost 10 years ago so i mean is how has it expanded yeah you know i think that that um one of the things that's really changed in the last 10 years is that um people really recognize the need for data to be integrated across across systems across the institution and to be um to not have siloed data like you don't have siloed everything else and um it so much of what people institutions so much of what institutions are trying to do to transform requires data to be able to understand what you're doing and what kind of progress you're making and um without that trust in data and without um a data-informed culture it's really hard to make that happen so um we have we have a uh, we have several ways that people can start thinking about how their how their data informed culture is how how it sort of stacks up to other institutions. We have an institutional analytic self assessment that institutions can take that helps them not only see how they are doing with analytics, but
but also how um, that gives them ideas for how they can improve their analytics culture. There's a whole section of the self-assessment that um, that's based on data-informed culture and how you how you can improve your um, your data-informed culture. And it talks about four different four different areas of um, of a data-informed culture that are important. And one is reliance on analytics and other forms of evidence to make decisions and track progress on goals. So just the fact the fact of that that you are at your institution you are requiring data in order to make decisions, which right now doesn't seem like a very big thing. But 10 years ago, many decisions were just made anecdotally. And so but there's been a lot of progress there. Another one is collaboration across multiple parts of the campus. You know, it sort of keeps coming up with all of these transforming thing, transformative things, requires um, collaboration with, from IT, IR, finance, HR, um, pro, the provost's office, the registrar, um, Another is being adept at change management. So as I start looking at these, I start to see that these are very much related to resilience characteristics as well. Um, And another is, and this is still from our self-assessment tool, an active commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion in relation to data and analytics. So again, I think it's that interdependency of people and data and processes and systems, that sort of ecosystem idea again. Um, and also another another important aspect of a, a really data informed institution is good data governance, and um, that's something that a lot of institutions are still really struggling with. And um, that's why we put together this year a um, a data governance action plan that tells institutions um, it gives institutions ideas for various steps they can take, action steps they can take in areas of culture and workforce and processes to, uh, to improve their, their data governance. Data governance goes a really long way to, to enabling the kind of data-informed culture that institutions really need. Yeah. So for our listeners here and for our readers, um, listening to this might seem a little overwhelming, maybe even if, if they haven't been engaged in, in this sort of level of uh, self-reflection or analysis, what would your advice be to them in terms of their first steps uh, in terms of uh, kind of embracing this idea of, of resilience? As I was saying earlier, there's this feels like a real direct connection between resilience and digital transformation. And what we're planning to do um, in the next few months is to update all of our digital transformation materials to um, include institutional resilience. And I think as a start, institutions can can look at our digital transformation um, resources and start making progress by by using some of those. We've got some um, we've got some materials at dx.educause.edu that walk them through a process of learning about DX, planning for DX, DX is what we call digital transformation, and then doing DX. And um, there are materials there that help you um, develop a strategy for your digital transformation, um, as well as plan um, plan your approach for uh, the, the sort of spiraling work of building on what you've done before. We think of DX as a as an iterative process of um, building some foundations and then then doing more um, digital transformative work to to build on that and. By doing that work, 
you've done, you've created a lot of the foundation for what you need for institutional resilience as well, because the characteristics are very similar. Um, and I think that can, that can be a really good first step in, in helping people um, know where to start and what to do with it. Great. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's, uh, um, there's a lot to, uh, to consume there. Um, and I know that the, the good work that you guys do at EduCause is, is very helpful for our readers and our listeners. And uh, it's great to uh, talk with you in person, <laughs> as, as we said. And I look forward to the rest of the show. So thank you. Great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Great.